Pastor Xavier Reese using the prophet Balaam for making the case we are to be navigating by faith. The prophet was so blind through his greed and his madness that he began to talk back to the donkey. Peter says that the donkey tried to restrain the madness of the prophet. God would use an unclean animal, if need be, to restrain you, to restrain me. But he doesn't need to because we have his word. We have his word. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Balaam, the prophet, was so overcome by worldliness that his values reflected not the righteousness of God, but the corruption of the lusts of the flesh. He is the classic example of a person who knew the right way, but rejected it to pursue the happiness of worldly lusts. Pastor Xavier delivers a simple truth study from our series in Numbers, beginning in chapter 22 today. Let's listen. The Bible is a record of God's Word that was uttered by individuals who were called prophets. Those who spoke forth the Word of God. Secondly, they reveal future things. But their primary function was to just be representatives of God's Word to the people. There are true prophets as well as false prophets that are recorded within Scripture. And among those, there is one particular prophet that stands out, and we've come across him now Balaam the prophet. He's a mystery and an interest because of his perplexing character. It seems that on one hand, he knows God, he has access to God, and on the other hand, as we will see, he is one who also is open to familiar spirits. And when I come across the scriptures and I find things like this, and the scriptures themselves don't clear it up, I have to be careful as I come to a conclusion that is really unscriptural. Because after I assess certain situations of life as well as things in Scripture, and if I'm not given all of the information and I only have the record, and once I tally up all that record, and if my conclusions means that God has become one with sin or that God contradicts himself, then I know that my conclusion is wrong <laughs> because I know God cannot lie. And that he has no part with darkness. And so there's a lot of things in your life and mine that we don't, we don't, we're not going to have the answers in this life. We've got a lot of information, but if we add up all the information, our conclusion will be wrong. And so some of those things we have to leave to God until that day, or maybe until we are before him. We don't know. And so my conclusions must be one with the word. And whenever my conclusions seem to be contrary to the word, then I know that my conclusion is wrong. And that is not a cop-out. That is a very safe biblical principle, which is through scriptures. Because Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I'm able to entrust him until that very day. And yet Paul was in some very difficult situations and, and, and man, some sufferings. And Paul didn't think God made any mistakes. He just didn't know all that God was doing at any one time. And he entrusted himself to God. 
We want to look at this morning to Balaam the prophet, and we want to look at three things regarding this man. First of all, the man Balaam. Secondly, the message to Balaam. And then third and finally, the mistake of Balaam. The man Balaam, his place of origin is given to us in chapter 22. This is where the story begins. And uh, it's 22, 23, 24, 25. And then you get some in chapter 31. So in these five chapters, you have the record of Balaam. In verse 5, we are told that he was a son of Beor. Who Beor was, we don't know. We have some minor prophets we've studied, and we just have the name of whose son they were, but that's all we have. We don't have all kinds of information sometimes, but at least we know that he was a son of Beor. Notice also he was from the region of the Euphrates River. It says that he was from Pithor, which is near the river of the land of the sons of his people. The reference to the river all the time in Scripture means the Euphrates River in that region. He was also from the area of Mesopotamia. We get this from Deuteronomy 23.4 when it speaks about Balaam and where he was from. Now, it's interesting about that region. This is the place, this is the cradle of the human race. This is where God began everything. This is where Abraham was from. So, from his origin, we already know that Balaam was a very knowledgeable person about God Jehovah. For God had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of that. The, the creation, the garden, the flood, everything. So he was rich in knowledge about God. He was familiar. Notice secondly his reputation in verse 6 of chapter 22. Therefore please, Balak speaking through the individuals that wanted to get him, come at once. Curse the people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. He was known for his ability to bless people. Now that's commendable. That's great. That's a great characteristic. A great trait to be known by. You know, there are some people who are just a blessing, you know. They're always around. They're up. They're just... Uh, no matter what the situation is, they always find a good quality about it, and that's what they focus on, and, and they just make you feel good. Whenever they're around, they have something nice to say, something that's on the positive side. Balaam was a man who had a reputation for blessing people. He would pronounce certain blessings, and they would come to pass. So on one side, people would look to Balaam and say, man, he's, he's a prophet from God. He does all these good things. But notice also that he was also known for his ability to curse people. Balak focused on the certainty of his reputation. It was known. And he was counting on Balaam to do something for him which he himself could not do. His reputation was known throughout. This is the king who has heard of him. This is the king who is petitioning him to come. Thirdly, his conflicting character is given to us in verse 7 of 22, first of all. 
He was a diviner through magical arts of soothsaying. The elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in his hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balaam. So he's a diviner, a soothsayer. Joshua 13.22 tells us in reference to him that he was a soothsayer. He was one who dealt with familiar spirits, the occult. Now, right away you can see the conflict. Here he's a prophet of God and he's also a man who seeks the occult. How can that be? As a matter of fact, in chapter 24, verse 1, it's very evident that he went out seeking familiar spirits except for the last time. Verse 1 of 24 says, Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go out as other times to seek to use sorcery, but he sent his face towards the wilderness. So he saw through familiar spirits except for this one time right here. He knew, and he was still trying to go against it. We're going to see that. He was a prophet of God. It's very evident from the context. God came to him and conversed with him. Look at 22.8. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the prince of Moab stayed with Balaam. He said, hey, God speaks to me. I will hear his voice tonight, and then I will tell you what he tells me. He was a prophet of God. In verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 18, God's word was obeyed by him. Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the words of the Lord God to do less or more. It seems that he obeyed in part. But notice in verse 5 of chapter 23, God's word was also put in his mouth. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. God spoke to him. He obeyed the word in part. God put his word in his mouth. And then in 24.2, God's spirit came upon him. And Balaam raised his eyes. And he saw Israel encamped upon according to the tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Interesting fellow. We also see his prominence in Scripture. He is mentioned in both the Old and the New Testament a total of 60 times. 60 times. That's quite a bit. He is mentioned 50 times between chapter 22 through 25 and chapter 31. He is named seven other times in the Old Testament. Every time he is mentioned in those other seven passages of the Old Testament, he is mentioned in view of God keeping him from cursing Israel to declare God's faithfulness to Israel, to remind the children of Israel. He is named three times in the New Testament under three perspectives to warn the believer. We'll make these very clear as we move along, but let me just give them to you. In 2 Peter 2.15, he is under the perspective and the description of the way of Balaam. The way of Balaam. In Jude 11, he is known under the heir of Balaam. And then in Revelations 2.14, he is known under 
the doctrine of Balaam, the way, the air, and the doctrine. We will see these clearly as we move through. And they're warning to us as Christians. The man Balaam, an interesting individual. You get information from him on the side of God. You get information about him on the side of the occult. And yet, if that's all the information we had, it would be a real confusion to an extent. And so we trust God for many of these things. But the man Balaam is most interesting regarding the information of his background. Then there's the message to Balaam. In chapter 22, verses 1 through 3, he is sought out by King Balak because he feared Israel. The children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. And now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Israel was at the back door, the plains of Moab across from Jericho. Now you can imagine they have been hearing about the reputation since the Exodus. And every one of the people in the land are fearing. One by one, they are going to be taken. And the next victory only makes the fear more intense. Israel was feared by him because of what they had done to the Amorites. They were a mighty people. They were people of war. And yet they were sweeping through the land and wiping them out. You know, it's like one of those things that you fear the most and you keep worrying about it and most things never happen, but once in a while they do and, and when it's all of a sudden there, you just freak out. And I can imagine these individuals just looking and, and watching the movement of the people of God and watching them just take over the land and um, it's a fearful thing. And yet these individuals were seeing it, fresh in their mind. Notice secondly that he was sought out by and allegiance of Moab and Media in verse 4. So Moab said to the elders of Media, Now this company will lick up all that is around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. And so notice the Moabites were descendants of Lot. They were not the people of God, but they were brought about through the incestuous relationship of Lot with one of his daughters that fled with him from Sodom. A type of the flesh. The Midianites, they were also descendants of Ishmael. Ishmael was a product of the flesh, not a product of promise. Genesis 37 and Genesis 19, you get Moab as well as Ammon. And notice how these two, a work of the flesh, ended up being the enemies of God and the things of God. Anything that you and I allow to become a work and a product of the flesh will end up biting us. Sin will rear its ugly head, and if you give your flesh enough time, enough opportunity, enough availability, it will take your head off. It will slay you. Absolute guarantee. Now, it may take a long, 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 long time. And you may be sitting, hey, you don't know, I've been for years. Be patient. Your life's not over. Your flesh will get you. The works of the flesh, the things of the flesh, they cannot live with the things 
in the will of God. They are an enmity against God, Paul says in Romans chapter 8. The message to the Midianites was loud and clear. They would not stand a chance against Israel. As an ox licks up the dust, so he would do to them. They were freaked out. Deuteronomy tells us that God had put the dread in the heart of the people. He said, I'm going to put the dread in the heart of the people so when you overtake the land, they're going to be fearful. They're going to melt in their heart. And remember when the spies were sent out for the land and they came to Jericho and they came to Rahab the harlot? What did she say? Boy, we've heard about you and the hearts of the men are melted. Interesting, God fulfilled his word. He put fear in their hearts. Thirdly, he was sought out to curse the children of Israel, verses 6 and 7 of 22. Therefore, please come at once, curse the people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and to drive them out of the land. For I know whom you bless, you bless, and whoever you curse, you curse. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. Notice his reputation had preceded him. Verse 6. He had a reputation. He was known. But a reputation is worthless if there's no character, as we're going to see. Many people are interested in a reputation. They want to get, get a, a, a name. They want to show the world they have achieved. They want to flaunt themselves. And they're not really concerned on how they get to where they want to get. They will sacrifice character, integrity, values, morality, whatever. They just want a reputation. I have made it. I have made my million. I have been successful. I've made my business work. Yes, but how have you made it work? There's a difference. Notice, secondly, his remuneration was customary, the diviner's fee. Now, the prophets of old were given gifts. Remember sacrifice? Remember Saul went to see about the lost donkeys? He gave him a little gift. But that was a gift, sort of as a token. There wasn't for hire. Here he has a diviner's fee. His offering was threefold. Verses 17 and 18 of 22. For I will certainly honor you greatly, Balak told Balaam, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come and curse this people for me. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord thy God, my God, to do less or more. Notice first, his offer was threefold. Balak would honor him before men. That's prestige. Honor him before men. Men love that. Prestige. Secondly, Balak would honor him with money. That's power. You ever see one, you want to see power, how it works, you get around people who have a lot of money. As they do and they don't do, as they say, as they just go wherever they want, power. Thirdly, Balak would honor him with complying with anything he said. That's authority. Blank check. Whatever you say, that's authority. Authority is when you say something and it's done. You have the, the authority behind you, and the power is then executed. Authority, power, prestige. 
That's what the world is after. That's what you and I are after if we're not walking in the Spirit. We want people to think how good we are. We want some opportunity to exercise our power. And we certainly want to demonstrate to some people how much authority we have. That's our flesh. Every one of us. Our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And unless we walk in the Spirit, we walk in the flesh. And if we walk in the flesh, we cannot please God. And if we can't please God, we're pleasing ourselves. It's really very basic, very elementary. But notice, fourthly, he was sought out by the Lord to obey him. In chapter 22, verse 12 and 13, And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them, for you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the prince of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. God denied him from going the first time. God called Balaam to obey him. That was the message to Balaam. You obey me. Now, stop and think, this man is being enticed. This man is they're dangling all this money before him. Men of prominence have come. The second party of greater prominence, greater in number. Impressive. They came for me? <laughs> what a setup. Notice in verses 19 and 20. Now therefore, this is the second time. The second party's come. Please, you also stay here tonight, he tells the servants, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. Notice... God not only denied him from going the first time in verse 12 and 13, but here now, God describes the conditions on which he was to go. Only if they came and called him. Don't miss that. God always sets the condition. And I am to abide by the condition by which he ministers to me. I'm not to go what God has allowed other people to do. I am to go by what God wants me to do. I cannot use you as a rule for my life. I've got to use God's word to me for my life. But thirdly, in verse 35, God defines the boundaries of his words. This is after the angel of the Lord, which is really a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. He almost took his head off. You know the whole story where the the angel of the Lord was there to wipe him out, and the donkey went to one side. He beat him back in. He went up against another side, crushed his foot, beat him back in. All of a sudden, the donkey just sat down, and the, the prophet was so mad, he started beating the donkey. The donkey turns around and said, hey, wait a minute. Aren't I your donkey? You've ridden since I was young? Have you ever known me to do something like this? And the prophet was so blind through his greed and his madness that he began to talk back to the donkey. Peter says that the donkey tried to restrain the madness of the prophet. Interesting. That God would use a jackass is a real slap in the face to man since a jackass was an unclean animal. God would use an unclean animal if need be to restrain you, to restrain me. But he doesn't need to because we have his word. 
have his word. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating how God seeks to redirect the path of a wayward soul with the story of Balaam on today's Simple Truth study from our series in Numbers. And there's much more of this message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Balaam the Prophet. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Balaam the Prophet, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 